When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Intercept your Earth broadcast in the name of the Galactic Empire. Smiles, everyone. Smiles. And welcome to Dagobah Dispatch Island. I really dated myself with that reference. All right, here's hoping we can land the plane here on the latest episode of the Dagobah Dispatch. Again, really dating myself. Uh, this week, we are going to check in on the latest Star Wars news out there in the ether. And one of us actually traveled to a galaxy far, far away this past week. All will be explained. I am Dalton Ross, still working off all that stuffing and gravy I consumed over the past week. And joining me, as always, is the one and only Devin Kogan. What's going on, Devin? Hello, hello. Excited to be here. How was uh, your Thanksgiving? How was the break? Uh, did you eat a lot of food? Did you have a lot of fun? It was wonderful. I um, I stayed in Los Angeles. Um, I'm did, sometimes I go home to my family, um, but I was like, I don't want to deal with airports, and I, I I'm going home for for Christmas for a long time. So I was like, I'm gonna stay in. So my friends and I did restaurant Thanksgiving, which I've never done before. We went to a fancy restaurant and had had fancy restaurant Thanksgiving, including like a turkey leg that like looked like one of the ones from like the Renaissance Fair, you know, where yep. it's like you could use it as a club. Um, it was very fun. It was a, it was a great way to spend Thanksgiving. So to be clear, you went to a restaurant that had a special Thanksgiving meal. It wasn't like you went to some random restaurant, yes. like a sushi restaurant and just ordered some food. You went to this place that had a Thanksgiving menu. Correct. And was all done up. Okay. Yes, this is correct. Um, it was, it's, and there was a lot of people there. It was, you know, some people don't like to cook, I guess. So it was fun to just to do something different. But my one thing that I always do for Thanksgiving is um, I make a mean pecan pie. So that's that's the one thing I, I always do. So I did make a pecan pie for some friends. And then I ate half of it by myself. So Good for you. That's well what you done. Do. <laughs> what uh, about you? How was yours? Uh, we ate at home. And then like it was, we had so much leftovers, which is great. But then like, the next day, so Thanksgiving, obviously, breaking news is on a Thursday. Uh, that's exclusive. That's an EW exclusive right wow. there for you. And then the next day, my son for dinner really wanted Chinese food. And I was like, we have all this leftover food and you want to get Chinese food, which I don't know if you're like me, but when I were Chinese food, that always creates another mountain of leftover food. Yeah. <laughs> so... We then had leftover like turkey stuffing, mashed potatoes, biscuits, all that stuff. And then all of a sudden we had leftover like chicken fried rice. So it was just a weird four days after Thanksgiving of eating all that stuff. But that was great. And then my football team got absolutely annihilated on Thanksgiving. And as I'm if, sorry, like, it was terrible. And then as if that embarrassment's not enough, uh, I had to sit there and watch National Treasure Dolly Parton dressed in the garb of my enemy, uh, <laughs> dressed as a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. She looked amazing, but if you're like half the country, you hate the Dallas Cowboys, right? Like That's you either true. love them or you hate them. You love them because you're a front runner and they're called America's team and whatever. Uh, and Or you despise them because they're called America's team. 
and I am the latter. And so that was rough, uh, although she was amazing. And then, Devin, I was thinking about you a lot over the Thanksgiving weekend because my son and I were watching Rings of Power. Again, which I, of course, have seen before, and I was a big fan of it, but he had not seen all of it. So he watched some of it earlier last time he visited. So he finished it up this time, and uh, super fun. Super fun. Got me pumped for season two. Rings of Power. That's so fun. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about doing a rewatch. Yep. Um, I also, like, during Christmas, like to do just a general Lord of the Rings rewatch. But what did you what did you think of it, uh, kind of revisiting it? Well, you know, I'm a really annoying person to watch things with. Uh, you? Yeah. Can you believe it? Shocker, <laughs> right? Well, I'm like, I was doing this the other day. I was watching that show Lessons in Chemistry with my wife. And like, I basically like, I'm the kind of guy that will pause the show and be like, let me tell you how this is going to happen. Let me tell you what's going to happen next. I can predict everything. Like these showrunners are so obvious, blah, blah, blah. So I'm super annoying. So this was a flip because I was watching with my son who has literally read every single word of every text of every Tolkien thing ever multiple times. So he's just kind of like more critiquing the show for what they changed, right? Like he's not critiquing the show as its own entity. He's like, well, why'd they change this? Or this introduction and Gandalf here makes no sense because of X, Y, and Z. That literally makes no, like he's getting angry about it. You know what I mean? So it's like a like father, like son uh, situation. But like also like his old man, he fears change, I think. Uh, as I do. So I think that was part of the thing too. But it was super fun. Yeah, I, I want to meet your son and just talk about Lord of the Rings the whole time and um, not talk about oh Star God. Wars or anything. Just be like, so Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Let's do this. Yeah. Anyway, this is not the Rings of Power podcast. Uh, so uh, we should. <laughs> we do have that podcast, though. You can go listen to it on Entertainment That's Weekly's right. podcast feed featuring co hosts Stephen Kogan and Christian Hollub. It is called All Rings Considered, which is one of my it's favorite puns. Uh, all right. So, yeah, go check that out. As far as uh, Star Wars stuff, which is why you came here, uh, that and our sparkling personalities, uh, let's start with a little housekeeping. First off, uh, we love communicating with you all, so you can leave us a voicemail on anything you want, anything we say here, any of the Star Wars stuff you have on your mind, any questions you want to hit us with. You can be part of the show. Just give us a call at 657-799-1566. 657-799-1566. I'll give you a little tease for next week's episode, in case you want to call in about this. I am going to present next week my list of the top 10 Star Wars books ever. You guys have heard me reference some of them on the show from time to time. I'm going to put it down. I'm going to rank them. I'm going to give you the top 10 out of probably like my wife was asking me, Devin, like how many Star Wars books are there? And I think she thought there were only like 20 or 30. I'm like, oh no, there's like a bazillion oh, no. of them. So anyway, I'll have my list next week. If you have thoughts on Star Wars books, you can give us a call. 657-799-1566. Another way you can interact with us is through Spotify. If you listen to the podcast there, we put a poll up each week and you can vote there. And the poll for our last episode was, should Lauren Morgan get another chopper? Because I think she had, was it six, Devin, at last count? Uh, yeah, I need the final tally, but I think it's up to up to six. Then she was like texting us and threatening to get more of them, essentially like all sorts of like plushy choppers, all these kind of choppers, things. Uh, you all voted, 88% uh, of you said yes. She should get another Good. chopper. 11% said no. And then, of course, there's that missing 1% that drives me insane each and every week. Spotify can't do math. So uh, you can go vote there in our poll and uh, see what's up. Um, one other thing I want to hit on, Devin, is I saw this on the old social media, how I saw this comes from the account of Dinosaur Dracula. So this is that sort of sounds like what, like a sci-fi movie. 
You know, Incredible. like there's be like, you know, mixing up uh, two different animals, sort of, you know, shark to puss or all those things. Dinosaur Dracula. It's great. Incredible. Uh, Dinosaur Dracula wrote on November 22nd, 1987, uh, anniversary just last week, The Empire Strikes Back had its network television premiere on NBC. With it came this amazing intro where Darth Vader broke right into the traditional NBC packaging. This was a huge event. So with this, Dinosaur Dracula put in the clip, uh, the intro of uh, Darth Vader on NBC before the airing of Empire Strikes Back, and it sounded a little something like this. Tonight, a network television premiere on NBC. Intercept your Earth broadcast in the name of the Galactic Empire. Welcome. Through this intergalactic broadcast, your planet and thousands like it are witnessing the glorious victory of the Galactic Empire. Tonight, we will finally crush Luke Skywalker and his rebel alliance. This time, there will be no escape from the dark side of the Force when the Empire strikes back. So it, start, it starts with the, the regular NBC movie of the week packaging, and then you hear the static and it cuts in. It's so awesome, Devin. Oh, I love this. I love I love everything about this. I love the idea that the Empire was like, you know what propaganda we need? We need to crash the NBC <laughs> Sunday night movie of the week but recorded by Darth Vader. Oh, this is this is awesome. Well, and this. not only that, but like when we had the Donnie, by the way, if you missed our Donnie Marie episode, just like stop <laughs> this right now. We're just talking a bunch of BS. But if you want to hear a real episode, go listen to our breakdown of the Donnie and Marie Star Wars special. But in that, they, of course, could not get James Earl Jones. So they got Tony the Tiger slash the Grinch instead to do the voice of Darth Vader. But here they got James Earl Jones. That's impressive. That's yeah. impressive. The I mean, you can't, you, you can't fake that voice. No, it's so good. All right. But, uh, b- before we get into the news, the Star Wars news of the week that we're going to hit on, Devin has some news uh, of, her, of her own. She's been holding back on you people. Because I sat there and I asked, what'd you do over Thanksgiving? And she's talking about making her pie and going out and eating a big turkey leg at a restaurant. But you also, and you said, yeah, I don't want to travel over Thanksgiving. The airports are such a pain. But you did do some traveling, uh, not just to another state or country, but to another galaxy, Devin. I did. I hitched a ride on 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 the Millennium Falcon, and I went to Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland. Um, so months ago, our EW colleague Joey Nolfi um, came to town, and he is the world's biggest Disney adult. So he was like, "We're all going to Disney." So he made a bunch of us buy tickets, and then the hurricane hit Southern California, which is an unprecedented event. So we all said, oh, we're good. We're not going to go to Disney. We'll we'll save our tickets for another day. Joey, because he's an insane person, went to Disneyland during the hurricane, which turned into, there was an earthquake while he was there. So it turned into a hurricane. <laughs> so he went by himself. So we all had these tickets. The rest of us had these tickets and we said, okay, well, let's, let's go to Disneyland. And so we went this past weekend and took a trip to a galaxy far, far away. And I spent the entire time texting Dalton pictures of all the weird things that I saw and all the fun things for sale. Like I was, I was impressed by the number of life day robes they had available. 
they were really leaning into the Star Wars Holiday Special Life Day. I mean, you could you there were many of them for sale. I thought very hard about getting one, but they were like forty nine ninety nine. Um, and I for, was like, it's a basically I, like a slanket, right? I mean, it's just yeah, a, a, it's yeah. a giant red snuggie, basically, yeah. but it has like a little embroidered like Happy Life Day. Um, and we were joking with our our former co host Lauren Morgan, and and you know it was like. Are they Wookiee sized or are they human yeah, sized? Because yeah. if they're human sized, great. But I, I don't think I can, you know, I'm not as tall as as Peter Mayhew. I don't know if, if that life day robe will fit me. But it was very fun. It's so interesting the way that they, on one hand, try to pretend like the holiday special never happened. Like 100%. no one's ever going to see that the light of the day ever again. Like keep it under wraps. Yet then they still do market it with like the Life Day thing. They're trying to keep Life Day alive. I've seen it on their social media channels, like Happy Life Day, everyone. And they've they've had it bring it up in the Filoni verse, which we'll get to in a little bit, how they'll bring up Life Day here and there. Now they're selling the robes at Galaxy's Edge. So it's very, very interesting the way they have that push and pull with that, with that special. So it's kind of interesting, Devin, because I actually love myself a theme park. And, but I've never been to Galaxy's Edge now, as you know, and you all may remember, I was going to go on the Galactic Star Cruiser, but the dates they gave me to attend, I had to drop my, my daughter off at school. Kids ruin everything is the moral of the story here. They ruin everything. So I said to Lauren, well, do you want to go? And so Lauren went and she got COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of defines our relationship. Like I gave Lauren COVID uh, indirectly (laughs) through Disney. Uh, so she got to go. She had a great time, but I've never been there and I've never been to Galaxy's Edge ever. So, you know, did you go on rides? Did you have like, did you get some samples, some some food and beverages? What'd you do in there? So I've been a couple times. Um, Dalton, we need to get you out to LA. We'll take you to, to Galaxy's Edge and and because you are the target audience for this. I got to say, I... I love Disney. I'm not a huge Disney person. Like I enjoy it, but I'm not somebody who needs to go like every year, multiple times a year. But Galaxy's Edge is pretty awesome. It's really, really cool. Like it's, it really makes you feel like you're stepping into another world. It's basically, it's set on this, you know, if you've never been, it's, it's set on this planet of Betu, which is um, the Black Spire outpost. And so there's like, it's sort of, and it's all very, they, they take so much care to be like aware of canon and timelines. It's basically set sort of between last jedi and rise of skywalker you've got like the first order and the rebels or excuse me the um the resistance not the rebellion um but uh and you just kind of wander around and and everything you know the rest of disneyland is like all the shopping is like you know it's got mouse ears on it and star wars logos and things and everything that's sold there is supposed to be sold like quote in universe um so like there's a shop where you can buy a loath cat or a porg or what or a creature shop or like you know they sell the life day robes but it's more like oh yes would you like to buy a life day robe for your life day celebration not like would you like to buy a life day robe from the star wars holiday special um and it's very fun and very immersive i you know, they always have characters walking around. I saw Boba Fett and Fennec Shand, which was, they looked great. Um, that was fun. And there's two rides there in California. Um, one is Smuggler's Run, which is where you get to pilot the Millennium Falcon. And it's very fun. Um, and the other one is uh, Rise of the Resistance, which is a really impressive ride where basically you join the Resistance, you get captured by the First Order, you're taken for interrogation, and you have to kind of like run and escape and go on this crazy ride while running away from Kylo Ren. Um, and it's it's very impressive. You sort of like move. It's, it's very story based as opposed to just like you get strapped, strapped into a ride and then that's it. 
Um, so if you've never done it, it's extremely, extremely fun. Um, it's just really cool and immersive and it's, it's really impressive. Like, like the amount of world building and the, the kind of attention to detail everywhere is really extraordinary. Like even they had to strike a whole deal with like Coca-Cola to be able to sell like Coca-Cola bottles with like the logo in Arabash. It doesn't actually say Coca-Cola on it mm. um, for like the first time ever. And so, so it's just, it's very impressive and you can also get blue milk, which is very delicious. Right. I mean, as if the Fantasy Island references at the top of the show didn't date me enough. I remember when Star Tours opened, Devin. So, yeah. like, I I remember when that was like a two hour line to get into Star Tours, which I don't even know if that exists anymore. Oh yeah, it's still around. It's still there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's not nearly as pos- popular. The line is always like five minutes, and then right. like the new ones are like <laughs> seventy five minutes. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's great. I, I do need to get. And I was gonna ask, I was gonna ask you about the characters. So all the characters that are going around, like, so if you walk around Disneyland, you'll see Princess Jasmine or you'll see Belle, you know, yeah. and it's just as some performer dressed up like that person. I'm guessing you're not seeing like Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia. It's more people with helmets or. You no, know. you, they, well, it's set because of the timing. It's mostly, there's a Kylo Ren, there's a Rey. So um, Rey will walk around, right? You'll just mm-hmm. see Rey. Well, oh, okay. I've seen Rey before, not this trip, but I've seen her in the past. Mm. Um, she's like in her outfit and she meets with little kids. I've seen Chewie. Um, it's interesting. They've started to bring in some of the like the Mando Ahsoka people, which like, I don't know if that timeline 100% lines up, but mm. we'll allow it. But it's interesting. They they do have Darth Vader, but he's on the complete other side of the park. He's over in Tomorrowland, other over by Star Tours. Mm. And the like the idea is like, because he's he's dead by the time so you so right. you'd never see like Darth Vader interact with uh, uh Kylo Ren you know right. you would never want them to run into each other um so they play a little fast and loose with some of the timelines especially with like bringing in Mando or Ahsoka or things like that but in other ways they take it very seriously and so it's very much like when you go on this ride, it's like, you know, General Organa's base and, and you know, things like that. It is really interesting. And you can actually, there's a lot of like books and expanded media that, that talk about Batu, and there's a whole like extended history. They they really work to make everything like very canon because they knew nerds like us would yeah. kind of obsess over it. We had a plan uh, back shortly after the podcast began where you and I were going to go try and record yeah. from Galaxy's Edge, a podcast, but then because Star Wars Celebration was in Anaheim. And then at the last minute, I couldn't make it out there. So we, we bailed on it. But maybe that's in our future. Maybe I'll get my my butt out to LA and then we'll head down to Galaxy's Edge and maybe try and record there or talk about it. After I think it, w- it would be awesome. It's, a, it's, it's, it's worth a trip. I'm somebody who, you know, Disney's expensive and it's crazy. The one thing I've always wanted to do and I have not done is you can pay like $200 or some absurd amount and you can go build a lightsaber like you pick your hilt and you pick your crystal and you pick all your things and like go through the whole experience and I'm like okay I would I would very much like to do that like I'm the kind of nerd who would who would like yeah, to do that that'd be awesome um all right well uh, if you've been to Galaxy's Edge and you have your recommendations or comments on it give us a call let us know uh 657-799-1566 all right we have some Star Wars news to get to and weigh in on and we will get to that news right after this quick break All right, welcome back to the Dig of a Dispatch. Dalton and Devin here with you. And if you missed last week's episode, you know, we're just kind of BSing around this week a little bit. But last week, uh, we had Devin's great uh, in-depth interview with Dave Filoni 
talking all about season one of Ahsoka and the future of Ahsoka and those characters and that that series. So definitely make sure to check that out. Dave Filoni also spoke with our uh, our friend the Brez, our former coworker Anthony Bresnikan, who's over at Vanity Fair. Uh, spoke to Brez as well. And in that interview, uh, Devin, uh, he revealed that he has a new title and a little bit of a new role at the company. Uh, He told Bresnikan, I'm what's called the chief creative officer at Lucasfilm. And essentially that places him into the development process a lot earlier and a more expansive capacity than sort of his previous duties. He said, quote, in the past, in a lot of projects I would be brought into, I would see it after it had already developed a good ways. In this new role, it's opened up to basically everything that's going on. When we're planning the future of what we're doing now, I'm involved in the inception phase. I'm not telling people what to do, but I do feel I'm trying to help them tell the best story that they want to tell. I need to be a help across the galaxy here, like part of a Jedi council almost. So... You know, he's basically going to be working a lot more with Kathleen Kennedy uh, and Carrie Beck, uh, who's a producer and she's the head of development. And obviously, Kathleen Kennedy is the, this president and going to be working on basically anything Star Wars, it looks like, in some form or fashion is going through Filoni, Devin. So what do you make of this news? I think this makes total sense. I think it makes total sense to have like a creative writer type sort of at that point in the development process. Um, I think, you know, for me, like the kind of like franchises and world building that works the best is where you do have somebody kind of thinking about the big picture and like, okay, what kind of stories are we telling and what kind of time periods are we focusing on? Um, Because for a while, sort of post Rise of Skywalker, it seemed like they sort of like greenlit a bunch of stuff. They were like, okay, we're going to do this Taika Waititi thing and we're going to do the Ryan Johnson trilogy and we're going to do like, um, you know, all of uh, these different things that are happening. Um, But there wasn't necessarily like kind of like a cohesive, they were all sort of just percolating away in development. And I I don't know how much they were sort of interacting with each other. Um, So it sounds like, you know, maybe having somebody kind of in that end, I mean, and and I'm sure there's going to be things that he has no like story involvement in, but just to be involved earlier in the process is, is interesting because I mean, it does, it is kind of interesting how he has sort of taken on this role as sort of the new George Lucas. I mean, he's one of the few people at that company or some of the few, like one of the few filmmakers who actually like, trained with George Lucas and and worked on and his first job was like working closely with him. Um so it's it's a very in, it's a it's a really interesting thing and um I'm really curious to kind of see what the the future looks like, you know, as far as some of the big screen films that are in the works and some of the TV shows and kind of how those things will all kind of mesh together. You need to have someone in a role and maybe you would say Kathleen Kennedy or Carrie Beck was in this role maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But when you have an expa- a universe that's expanded, I'll just give you an example from the Walking Dead universe, which uh, you know I cover, where they have all these different shows, right? There was a situation a while ago where you had, um, you know, the Walking Dead, they had Fear of the Walking Dead. In the Walking Dead comic, there was this big event that happened, and it was going to come up. We all kind of knew it was going to come up on the regular Walking Dead show. Fear of the Walking Dead, though, before they got to that in the Walking Dead story, did something very similar. Uh, it was a thing about, oh, I'm delivering this person back to you, and had sort of like, you know, and like you have a hostage and they got the bag over their head. And so then the person ripped off the bag and it was actually a zombie who attacked the people. This is a a plot line from the Walking Dead comic that clearly was going to show up on that show. But then the fear of the Walking Dead producers either weren't as familiar with the comic or just decided we're doing our own thing. And they did that. And it was a big sort of deal. And then eventually AMC put one person in charge of everything. 
which you really need. So you know that that role has to exist of someone that's keeping track of all the different points and making sure, hey, we're planning to do this here, don't do it there. And of course, I'm sure, again, Kathleen Kennedy and Kerry Beck had their eye on that. But Filoni is, is, has his hands in so many cookie jars right now and has maybe ideas in his head that he's going to do that he hasn't put on paper yet or this or that. So you really do need the big creative force, no pun intended, to sort of be overseeing that. So that makes sense. As for Filoni being that person, look, this is Star Wars. We all have different opinions. Everyone's got different opinions. You could ask 10 different people and you're going to have probably five of them that say how much they love Filoni and just everything he's done and he should have the keys to the kingdom. And then you're going to have other people like, oh, he's ruined Star Wars, this, that, whatever. This is what I'll say about Dave Filoni. No one can question his love for this franchise. And he's talked about it. And this is a guy who years before he was involved with Star Wars, was making like Plo Koon costumes in his garage, right? Like <laughs> true. Th- this is someone who loves the franchise. And would you rather have someone that naturally is just like his life is this franchise or would you have them rather bring in like a hired gun? Like, you know, the like the sort of cool, you know, uh, sci-fi genre person of the, of the week who all of a sudden hand them the keys to the kingdom, or maybe, you know, they like Star Wars, sure, but it, it does not mean everything to them, and they don't think about it on as deeply a level as Filoni. Now, again, that doesn't give someone like that a, a pass that just anything that they do is going to be gold, but at least it's someone that you know is so invested in this process and will think deeply about it and will really care about whether it works or not. So all that is just a me long roundabout way of saying that I think it's probably a, a, a good move. Yeah, it, it reminds me very much of what Marvel has done with Kevin Feige, where he takes on more of a producer role, where he's like more hands-on and like hiring directors and, and doing that kind of stuff. But he's also sort of the keeper of the canon, you know, sort of sort of figuring out kind of what stories we're going to tell, Marvel's going to tell, what kind of stories are going to weave together. Um, and he's a nerd. I mean, he's somebody who like collects Marvel comics and, you know, worked as a producer on the, the original X-Men films just because he loved it so much. And so, and I think you need that kind of person in that kind of role, you know, in those conversations where they're figuring out what to green light, what the schedule is going to look like, what kind of storytelling are we are we going to do? Um, and so I, I'm I and again, I, I think you can go back and listen to my interview with with Dave Filoni last week. I mean, the man knows Star Wars inside and out. I mean, this is a guy who drops a Qui Gon Jinn quote into like, you know, casual conversation. I mean, and and he he said something really interesting. He talked. We talked about how you know. Ahsoka is kind of a story of like masters and apprentices and sort of like legacy and and things like that. And when I spoke to Carrie Beck for that Ahsoka cover story we wrote um, kind of earlier this year before the strikes, um, she said something really interesting. She said, you know, I, it's interesting that that Dave wrote this story about kind of masters and apprentices when in some ways it kind of mirrors his own journey as like, you know, learning under George Lucas and kind of like stepping up and, you know, kind of becoming this big creative force in his own right. And so I asked Dave about that and he's like, you know, it wasn't really intentional. I mean, I guess there's a little bit of that in it. Um, but he's like, I do really enjoy mentoring people and talking to people about the creative process and sort of figuring out problem solving. Um, he's like, because so many great filmmakers did that for me when I was just getting started um, in animation or with George or, you know, kind of all these different things. So he, I think it sounds like he's someone who really like relishes the creative process and kind of that kind of mentorship, which is, I think, a really, that's the kind of person you want in a role like that. Yeah. And I guess the question will be, what well, is he going to be as hands-on as you mentioned in a directing and writing capacity as he's been, or is this going to be taking up more of his effort where he's going to be kind of polishing scripts or, you know, meeting with people or coming up with more producing plans? Like 
if there is a season two of Ahsoka, which we all hope there is, is he going to be you know writing and directing that? Uh, is he going to be working on Mandalorian as much as he was in the past? We know he's got the movie they announced he's directing. So what else is he going to be doing and how hands-on will be? I guess that's the other question. And yeah, I think ahead. it's I think it's kind of like what's happening over at DC with James Gunn and Peter Safran, um, who both just got hired to kind of oversee the DC universe. The idea is that um, James Gunn is going to think about more about like the creative side of things, and Peter Safran is going to take on more of like the producing behind the scenes kind of deal um, details. So I'm curious if that's something that's going to be kind of similar over at Star Wars, where you know, Dave Filoni is going to be kind of free to focus on, you know, the storytelling and the creative stuff while somebody like a Carrie Beck um, focuses on, or, or like a Kathleen Kennedy focuses more on like the kind of the numbers and the the producer side of things, because, you know, James Gunn is still directing a Superman movie while also being in charge of, of DC writing and directing the Superman movie. Um, so it's, I'm so sorry. My cat is about to knock a picture off the wall. Oh my god, keep all this in, Sammy. Keep all this in. I was waiting for the crash. I'm here watching this and I'm like, this is going to go very poorly. For those that like, are, you know, obviously you don't have the visual, as I'm looking at Devin on, a, on the video right now as we're talking, I see like the cat butt go across the screen. You know what I'm talking about when someone like, like the cat walks in front of the monitor and stuff and then sort of climbs up. Yeah, so... He's a disaster. I'm so sorry. Um, no, but I think it's really interesting. And I'm, I'm, I, I think that's something that, you know, DC just set up where, again, you have somebody who is like sort of in this, this overseeing role, but also making films and also being a director and a writer. So I think it's not, you know, I think that's something that, that Dave Filoni loves. So I don't see him giving that up. Well, here's the question then, as we sort of now perfect segue into our second news item, is that if Dave Filoni, as we assume, is going to stay very much in the creative side of things and that's his issue... Can that lead to creative differences then when you have him dealing with other people that have been slated to direct and write Star Wars properties, which brings us to Taika Waititi. Uh, Obviously, Devin, a big fan of Taika's with his work on uh, TV and in film and Marvel and Our Flag Means Death and what we do in the shadows and otherwise. Well, he was on the Kelly Clarkson show recently, and he's talking about he's got this new soccer movie, I guess, Next Goal Wins, and was asked about Star Wars. And he said, I've been developing, you know, the Star Wars film for a few years, but I think with any film, but that one in particular, it's something I'd really like to get right. So I don't want to rush it. It's going to bubble along on the side. I want to capture that joy and entertainment of those early ones, like the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi and all those ones. So I'm trying to figure that out. It'll happen. So the first thing that strikes me about that is he talks about wanting to capture the joy of Empire Strikes Back. That's a dark film, Devin. He <laughs> picked like the darkest. I mean, maybe Revenge of the Sith is a darker film, I guess. But Empire is pretty dark. That's not like Ewoks running around and Jar Jar Binks' tongue getting zapped by like a pod racer. So it's that kind of joy. No, yeah, I think, but I, I know what he means, like that sort of like childhood wonder and like sense of awe um, and just like swashbuckling adventure that I that I love. Um, you know, I think that's something that I, I interviewed him several years ago, kind of around, kind of, kind of before Jojo Rabbit, we sat down, he was um, for an Entertainment Weekly cover story. And so we had lunch and I was talking to him about kind of like, what did you love as a kid? Like, what were you, you know, uh, what what did you watch? What made you want to become a filmmaker? And he cited Star Wars. He was like, I loved any kind of like space adventure, that kind of like fairy tale storytelling. Um, that's always been something that he's really loved. Um, and I mean, look, I think Thor Ragnarok is one of my favorite Marvel movies of all time. But on the same time, 
Love and Thunder is one of my yeah. least favorite movies of all yeah. time. Um, so I'm really curious. The fact that he's taking the time to get it right and and kind of develop it, um, you know, that could either be like it's not working and it's not there yet, or it could be like no, he really wants to make sure he gets gets it right and you know really wants to you know tell something new and something fresh. So either way, I'm gonna buy a ticket and I will 100% go see that. So if you're Dave Filoni, then what do you? Taika's been working on this for a few years. Going to keep working on it, like. I, I do come in and be like, sorry, none of this is going to work. Like, I mean, I, you know, it's an interesting position now for those two. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. They, maybe they'll get along. Maybe they won't. Um, there's also the, the Ray movie that's in development. Um, there's the James Mangold film that's in development. There's a couple different, you know, kind of big screen projects on the TV side of things. I think mostly Dave Filoni has his hands in everything that's sort of like in the works. Oh, well, except for the Acolyte. Acolyte. I don't know how much yeah, he's he involved in the Acolyte. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's been very closely, he and John Favreau have been very closely involved with the um, Skeleton Crew team. You know, that's kind of set at the same time as some of the Mando shows. So um, I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we see, you know, if this leads to, we know Marvel's had a lot of issues sometimes, and we know that Star Wars has had a lot of issues with quote unquote creative differences. And, you know, we had people fired of, um, from Solo, the directors. We had, you know, someone else brought in to finish up Rogue One and reshoot like a completely new ending on that. You know, we've had some issues here and there. We had J.J. Abrams having to come back to do Rise of Skywalker. So, you know, they've had creative differences issues. And will those now Will this settle those by putting a creative person maybe more in control of that or will it exacerbate them? And time will tell. I think one of the things we, everybody has different opinions on the sequel trilogy and everybody fights about them. Um, but I think there's one thing that everyone can agree on, which is that it would have been better served if they would have sat down and plotted out the three films before filming on Force Awakens. So you wouldn't have this disconnect between like, here, here's what happens in The Last Jedi, and then we're going to spend all of Rice of Skywalker undoing what we just did in The Last Jedi. So anything that gives them more structure and more planning out and like, hey, what happens in this film? How will that affect this film five years from now? That's a good thing to me. That is never a bad thing. So fingers crossed that that's the kind of, you know, kind of storytelling and, and planning that, that we get. The most symbolic thing to me in those in the sequel trilogy is Kylo Ren's helmet. Like, right, they smash yeah. it in the second film. And then literally at the beginning of the third, they like solder it back together. Yeah. And that that just is so symbolic of just like what you said, that whiplash of like two creative visions just, you know, combating each other, like right in front of our face. It was so just almost awkward to see it happen on screen. We're going to introduce Snoke. He's basically the new emperor. Ah, screw Snoke. We're immediately going to kill him. Uh, okay. We're going to bring back the emperor. Yeah. It's just <laughs> crazy. All right. So we will see. I'm very, I'm very curious. All right. Uh, it's, it's time to get out of here for us, but a little tease for next week. Again, as I mentioned, I will be presenting my list of the top 10 Star Wars books ever. So if you're looking for some holiday gift ideas for yourself, I will tell you which Star Wars books you should ask for. Uh, now's the point in the podcast where I ask you to please subscribe and please rate us and please write us a review. It is very much appreciated. Also, leave us a voicemail message about anything you want. Just call us and say what you got to say at 657-799-1566, and you can be part of the show. You can also connect with us on social media by following Entertainment Weekly on all socials. It's at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. 
You can also tag and follow us directly using at Dalton Ross and at Devin Kogan. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll do it all over again next week. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch Podcast is hosted and produced by Dalton Ross and Devin Kogan. Produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening and may the force be with you.